Mojo. Ah, yes, here it is. Got your mojo working. Pizzazz, oomph, zest, passion, energy, vibe, ACDC, the Mojo Radio Show. Hey, that can't be right. I got my mojo working. But it just won't work on you. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Let me tell you, out of the gate, put your seatbelts on, folks, because this is going to be one hell of a ride on the big red bus that we call the Mojo Radio Show. Big fella, you strapped in? I'm here and ready to go. <laughs> yeah, this is better than the wild mouse. And if it gets too hairy on the big red bus, oxygen mask will drop from the ceiling above you. Please put the mask on yourself before your five children, Mr. Robertson. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> How's Toadster, mate? How's the young one? The oh, youngest he's doing one. really well. Yeah, three weeks and back to birth weight, which is um, spot on the instruction manual, so you've got to be happy with that. It's amazing, though. The kid, how old is he? He's three weeks. Three weeks is 16 kilos. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Michael ready, Checker called. Ready to they, pack uh, there with the year sevens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the way the Wallabies are going, he could probably take over in front row there somewhere. <laughs> Sad but true. Before we start the show, uh, and this will be a white hot show, I just want to send a shout out, and I am not being paid for this. Uh, I actually bought these products myself. But I was telling Robert before we started recording here in the studio, I sent off an order this week to Chili Bomb. Now, Chili Bomb is an online subscription service where you buy hot chili sauces. My red box arrived. I bought a variety of four different ones, mate, and I bought one called the Reaper <laughs> Barbecue Sauce which is 1.2 million on the Scoville <laughs> measurement, which is the international measurement, right? So I unpacked the box uh, and I had a beautiful piece of scotch fillet, which grass-fed off my paddock, all the veggies I'd picked out of my garden. I was all set and I thought it's barbecue sauce. How hot can it be? So I put a couple of decent dobs on yeah, what you should have said What you should have said first was hold my beer and <laughs> watch this. Yeah. Watch this. I kid you not, I had one mouthful and as soon as it hit my lips, I knew I was in trouble. I never tasted another thing. God oh, damn, wow. it's hot. So... My shout out to Rodney at Chili Bomb. I paid for them. This is not an ad. I'm just saying that at the end of season five, if you ever want a gift for somebody who enjoys sauce, hot sauce, a little bit of spice, this is such a cool idea. I, I've tried two so far. I bought the Reaper barbecue sauce, which is insane. And I also bought Chili Willies pepper sauce, which is made from Carolina Reaper. It's called Acid rain. And underneath it, it says, oh, no. really, dot, really, dot, hot, <laughs> exclamation mark. I had some of that last night and uh, it's not Reaper hot, but my goodness, they are, they're fine. They're mighty fine. So nice. they're a great present idea, I've got to say. We interrupt this program to bring you a special bulletin. <laughs> the Mojo Radio Show. Right. Ladies and gentlemen. Now. This week's guest is a former Navy SEAL, and he's also host of a very big show in the States. Hello to all our friends in the States. It's shows called The Selection, and it's about taking people like Robbo and I to say, could we make you or could you become a Navy SEAL? To find out, we're going to put you through the rigors. You'll find the show on YouTube, and you'll see Ray Cash Care, who's our guest this week, as one of the front men of the show. Ray's a really interesting guy because he's had a pretty tough history, a tough past, which led him to the SEALs. 
but it's also led him to have to face up to his own battles. Terrific guy. He's straight up. And let me say, this is not one for the faint-hearted. This will give you a shot in the arm ready for season six. It's our great honour and pleasure to introduce Ray Cashcare. Welcome to the show, Ray. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. It's a great honour to have you on. And out of the gate, just to set this up, Ray, I've introduced you, your background, but when somebody says to you today, what do you do? How do you like to reply? You know, that's a question I'm asked all the time, and I still don't know how the hell to answer it. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, now, I know, um, I consider myself nowadays an ambassador to life, and people go, what does that mean? It means I'm just trying to live each day to the fullest, each day's an adventure. Um, so technically, I'm just an adventurer. I've done everything I've wanted to do, um, so now I'm just trying to just kind of reach for higher expectations. I'm reaching for the stars, so... I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just having fun doing it. <laughs> Mate, I've got a question for you that I've never heard you answer. You you get on to shows, your own show with even with Jason Redmond, which we'll talk about later on, and you say, Ray Care, call sign Cash. Johnny Cash's dad was called Ray Cash. Is there an association? Actually, there's not, even though I'm a huge fan of Johnny Cash and it got put together years ago. Uh, true story, I got my call sign for the for the longest time when I was in the SEAL teams. My last name's Care. I went by Care Bear. Um, I ended up doing some other type of work, which I can't get into, and that call sign was taken by a female. Um, I, have been tra- I was transitioning out of the SEAL teams uh, you know, one, one child, one on the way. Um, I was nervous. I hadn't slept in a few days. I actually had a cash shirt on and they said, Hey, we can't use Care Bear. And I was like, well, shit, I don't know what the hell to be called. So they just looked at me and said, we'll call you cash. And I was like, well, why do you want me cash? I was so tired. I had so much sleep deprivation. You know, I, I, I didn't put it together for hours. So Long story short, I think it was meant to be. I mean, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. I think that name, I, wanna, I know I went from joking. I think, you know, the, the symbolism of Ray Cash, uh, obviously Johnny Cash's father. Johnny Cash was in the Air Force. I was military. I think there was a greater good or a greater reason for it. So I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just going to run with it till I can't run with it anymore. I'll tell you what, there could be worse things, mate. That's uh, that's a pretty cool backstory as to how you get your call sign. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I mean, if you heard some of the, the call signs my wife's giving me when she's mad at me, we can't even. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we're, right. We're, we're going to come to Trish. Don't worry about that. Let's just, uh, we'll keep that for a second. Now, um, it's you just mentioned your, your great career as a SEAL. And what's been interesting, Ray, over the last, I don't know, maybe six to nine months, we, whether it be sports psychologists, peak performance coaches, the word identity has been used more and more on our show. And I'm curious to know, you have built an identity around being a SEAL. How do you see your identity as a man today? You know, it's funny. I have built my identity from being a SEAL, but as funny as, as crazy as this is going to sound, I'm trying to disassociate myself from that. That is a part of my life um, that I don't, I mean, I don't talk about what I did in the SEAL teams. I never have. I, yes, I was a SEAL. Yes, I did things. But I think that was what helped me build the foundation to 
for what I call expansion. You know, now these days I want to be considered just like I told you before, an ambassador of life, a motivator, an educator, a decimator. You know, I want, I, I always have that to fall back on, but I can't have that being me. That's not me anymore. That's still a part of me, but I'm trying to grow. I'm always, I'm always about expansion and growth. I don't know if you've, if you've watched the show, I always talk about expansion and growth. And I think that if I were to just stick with being a Navy SEAL, not that that wasn't the pinnacle of my life, but I think I would be settling. You know, I'm not Al Bundy. I'm not going to live in the past and sit on the couch and unbutton my pants. That is a part of my life that, I, that I'm very proud of, but I'm trying to do better. Um, but it's, it's hard to disassociate yourself because, you know, that's what I'm known as. I'm known as being, you know, I don't know what we call, you know, you, you guys got your, you know, um, your Australian special forces. I know Jason very well. Um, you know, he said the same thing. He uses that as a platform, but there's many more levels to Jason than there is just being Australian special forces. So my identity right now, I'm still searching for the ultimate identity, but right now, um, seal father, husband, friend, motivator, educator, decimator. That's what I'd have to say to you, brother. I was going to pull a few threads here, Ray. You've talked about the decimator part. And I'm just curious about that because I've seen, if you've been in the studio any Friday afternoon going into early evening, you would have seen Robbo decimate a pizza. And I don't think your decimate is exactly the same as that. No. When you talk about being the decimator, and I've heard you talk about decimating people, tell me the psychology of what's meant by that how how do you do that and what's the intention it's probably one of the best questions someone's ever freaking asked me um <laughs> decimate, decim- no i'm serious decimator to me is mentally taking somebody we're take we're setting aside the physical aspects and what i do is i break people down and i rebuild them and people go how the hell do you do that well um i do it with pain um, pain is an equalizer and it hates everyone equally. I, I, I hate saying that, but you know, I've done a few shows where I will put someone in push up position and I'll keep them there. And I'll tell you, man, I can talk about myself. I was a Navy SEAL for days. I can tell you how awesome I am and you don't have enough, enough time in the day. But what I'm doing is, is I'm pissing people off and I'm making them, I'm trying to make them break barriers. I'm trying to make them get into what I call the zone. I'm trying to make them focus on one thing and one thing alone, and that is my voice. When I'm talking about decimating people, I am putting people through a process. I have seven points of performance of a process where I want to eliminate all the outside abstractions in the world, everything. I mean between me and you, I don't give a shit if they drop a nuclear bomb on us. The only thing you're focused on is my voice and what I'm saying. Because once I have someone's attention 100%, I see it not only in their eyes, but in their body language. Then we can start making forward progress. Now, each person doesn't respond the same way. Some people are a little more stubborn than others. But I promise you, I can find a way to mo- and I do. I motivate, educate, and then I decimate individuals. Again, when I do this, it's not a dick measuring contest. When I put somebody down in the push-up position or whatever position I'm putting them into, it's to teach them discipline. It's to set up the pecking order of the mental toughness of, of who's who in the realm. I'm the king in the jungle when I'm giving my speeches, 
and everybody has to give the king his respect. So what I do with that is I have to break people down. People don't get it right away because people are too focused on what? The pain. But once they learn how to, to control that pain and get in that zone, that's where we start making, like I told you, that forward progress. Is that part of the frog mindset you talk about, right? It is the foundation of the frog mindset. You know, I, I talk about, you know, the frog mindset is literally what the frog mindset is, is I live by acronyms. I am not a smart man by nature. I can, if you told me there's a wall, I want you to go through the wall. Even though I know I could jump over it, I'm going to put my head down and run through it. The frog mindset is I develop fundamentals and foundations for what we call muscle memory. So muscle memory is when things occur in your life, when the shit hits the fan. And I don't care who you are, what you do, how rich you are, what color you are. Everybody has turmoil in their life daily. Kids, work, family. The fundamentals that I teach are you're going to fall back on this and you're going to just apply simple drills and simple techniques that I learned that I've learned and I've self-taught myself and, and moved on and educated other people and you're going to apply them just like we do on the battlefield in life. It's about because like here's what I talk about the foundation, right? You can have a 10 million dollar home and it can be beautiful, can be it can be awesome. But if you have a shitty foundation and it's not stable, what's going to happen to that house? It's going to crumble and fall. So what I do is I teach people that already have foundations. All I'm doing is I'm strengthening that foundation so they can grow. That's what the frog mindset's about. That's it. It's interesting. You just mentioned the fact that you weren't, in your mind, you weren't born smart. And I've heard you say that before. Today, when you look at Ray Cash Care, how do you pursue learning today, Ray? As part of the frog mindset, how do you pursue learning? It's funny. I've... I've tried to adapt to the times. Um, the problem with me is, is you know, I'm 46 years old. Um, you know, I have ADHD. I cannot keep my mind on anything. I am a million miles an hour. But when I was a kid, if you had this issue, what, what there was no pill. Your mother beat the hell out of you, and you straightened up. So these days, I do. No, seriously, my mom beat the hell out of me for anything. If I blinked the wrong way, she hit me. Um, it. You know, I, I try, I'm tr- I call myself work in progress with everything that I do in life. So now, you know, every single person that's a mentor and an influence in my life says, Cash, I get it. You say you're the village idiot, but what are you doing to make yourself better? Well, I read. Um, I'm trying to, I do audio books. I just signed up to the audio book. I'm reading a great, I'm listening to a great book now by a good friend of mine and a mentor. Um, and my goal is, is I try to listen to, two books a week. You know, they say successful entrepreneurs make, uh, uh, read 60 books a year. I'm trying to read 60 books a year on how to better myself so I can teach other people how to better themselves. And I'm not taking other people's, I'm not taking other people's formulas. What I do is I take my hardships and lessons that I've learned and I try to learn how to formulate it because I come across, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a little raw. Um, I tell people the truth, <laughs> people don't want it, but it's true. You know, I, I, I did a lecture to a bunch of entrepreneurs and someone raised their hand and said, you know, cash, you cuss a lot and you're kind of raw. And I'm, I'm wondering why. And I told him cause life is, is fucking raw. It's been raw to me. It, it's hard. It's hardcore. And it's kicked me in the ass many times, but I, I refuse to take a beating. I refuse. And that's why me and Jason get along so well, me and Redmond, um, you know, 
you can you can punch me in the face, but I promise you, I will get back up. And when I get back up, I'm not going to be happy. And that's how I approach life. I just keep it's a fight every day. You know, I have when I get up every morning, there's two things that I always say to myself. It is a new chapter in my life and I'm ready to put on the gloves. I say that every morning because every day I'm fighting for every inch that I have, whether it's health, fitness, it's, you know, business, it's mindset, you know, because I'm still constantly trying to expand my horizons too with everything I do. I refuse. I effing refuse to peak. I will not do it. So let's talk about the battlefield. And you've said that everybody has a battlefield. And how do we take the lessons of the battlefield of where you guys have been in Afghanistan and then put it into an office in, I don't know, San Francisco, Melbourne, Auckland, or boring Tennessee? No matter where you are, you're in a corporate environment. And it's a corporate battlefield. Like every day, an executive in one way or another is going to battle in an office or in a car going to a sales call. How do we transition, right? What are the things that you take people through that you've learned the battlefield that we can apply in the boardroom, in a sales call, in the corporate environment? Well, what I do is whenever I tell a story, it has to be able to, people have to be able to relate to what you're talking about. So if I sit here and say, you know, when I was in the Hellman product province and I was taking fire from a, from a PKM and I was getting down and I was returning fire with my 416, people look at me like I got 10 dicks on my face. But if I tell them, listen, here, let me put it to you in perspective like this. And I ask people, tell me what your battlefield is today. Well, I have a sales call that I got to take in about four hours. I'm a little unnervous about this, 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 this. Okay, I get it. Let me put it in perspective for you. I was overseas. Things were getting out of control and I didn't know what to do. But this is what I tell people when I put things in perspective. Everything is a decision-making process. What I've learned in life is you want to be successful, you have to make quick decisions. And no matter what, you have to take ownership of those decisions that you make, right or wrong. There's no second guessing. There's no plan B when it comes to the now. And that's what I tell people. I tell people I have three pillars. You have to analyze the situation no matter what it is, whether you're a mom, you're a worker, a husband, whatever it is. You have to analyze what the problem is. That means you have to figure out who the enemy or what the enemy is at that time. You have to then assess. You have to assess the situation. You have to come up with a split-second decision. You know, I tell people four guys go into a room to clear a room in a kill house. All four of us see four different things. But our objective gets done and completed. You can be in a boardroom. There can be three of you talking. You're all talking about different things, but you're trying to get across the same point. What I do is I try to make it relatable to whatever they're talking about. And then after that, I tell them, once you've made your decision, you have to execute. Now, I've gotten a few comments about, hey, Ray Cash, you were a CEO and you're talking about execute. What I'm talking about is executing excellence. That means right or wrong, you have to go with your gut. That's what I tell people. And that's what people relate to. They're, you know, and I tell them when I'm doing my, my public speaking or, you know, I'm beating someone down, you know, what do you mean? Work isn't my battlefield cash. I'm not overseas. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You're, you're in a constant battle to keep that job, to try to get more money, to try to, you know, I mean, brother, I'm out here. I'm, I'm digging and I'm scraping to try to make ends meet. When I tell people you have to analyze, assess, and execute, 
that these decisions, sometimes life or death decisions have to be made in split seconds. So that's what I tell people. And I tell people the only way that you're going to be able to do that is if you make the ultimate investment and that investment is in you, you, the, you are the biggest investment that you can, that you can put money in it. There's, there's no amount of money. If you don't believe in yourself and, or your abilities, you are going to amount to nothing. And from a kid that grew up getting abused and beat and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not going to sit here and give you the sob story about me. I, I, made the conscious decision at a very young age that I was tired of getting kicked around and beat up and put down and that I was going to develop, like I said, this mindset, this frog mindset and accomplish my goals and help people, help other people accomplish their goals. Because see, what I do is I don't go into a a public speaking event and tell you, "I, I can make you walk on water. I can make you be a billionaire. I don't do that. I tell people, listen, All I'm going to do is help you be a better person from the inside out and help you make critical decision-making skills in a split second because that's what life's about, man. I have – when I was young, I used to to pause and try to get all the information that I needed and figure this out. Smart leaders need need between 40 and 70 percent of information. Once they have that, they make the decision. If you sit around and you wait to try to collect all the data that there is in life, Life is going to pass you by. Do you know, it's something that I've been talking to people about over the last number of months, Ray, is that when people hear guests on a show and you're on here because you're at the top of the game in some respect, in some area of life, or people see a television show like The Selection or they read a book and they go, these guys have got it sorted. And particularly when you hear today, there is a complete fascination around the SEAL community, yet when people actually dig below cash care to find out what's there, although it seems in most people would go, these guys have got it sorted, they're fearless. When you actually dig beyond the surface, you still to this day fight your own demons, don't you? Brother, I fight demons every night and every day that I go to bed, whether it's (laughs) from the childhood to losing brothers on the battlefield to, you know, Demons come, you know, it's funny because everybody puts demons in like, you know, oh, you've killed people or you've done this. My demons have changed now. Like if something, if I I have demons in the closet for if I fail at something that, you know, and then because what I do is, you know, like a business deal or I'm trying to help somebody and it doesn't go the way that I want. Demons, demons is a really broad term, but yeah, I... Military SEALs, you know, guys that are going overseas doing God's work. Yeah, we deal with demons. But it's funny, as you get away from those those type of demons, um, in, the, in the realm that I'm in now, you know, public eye, doing things, the demons, I know this is going to sound crazy to you and you're going to go, what the hell? But failing at something versus, you know, losing a brother, um, even though they're totally different, they still they affect me almost the same exact way, and you're like, wait a minute, a death brother isn't because you know my brother could have died if if I was there because I did something wrong or he did something wrong. So you know the the worst problem with people like me and people that are top of their games are, are we're our own worst enemy. So I think a lot of the times overachievers create their own demons, um, and it's something that you know I've been trying to really get control of because. You know, was, when I was in the military, they were a different type of demon. But now my demons, 
have stemmed from it's more failure. Because see, when I was in the teams, fail you you couldn't fail. There was no failure. We didn't fail. Shit didn't go wrong. We did everything right. That, that's just how it worked. Now there have been you know lone survivor. There have been incidents where things have gone bad. But I wasn't part of that. When I did shit, knock on wood, it went it went right. But when I do shit right wrong now, you know, because I'm out of my realm, um, I fail. That's what I tell people. You know, um, you know, you say how the seals are this and this and that. We're at the top of our game. People don't understand how many times we get knocked down mm. to actually get a piece of success. Some of the most successful people I know, the Jockos, the the Bedros, the Callens, all these people that I hang out with that are worth tens and twenties and millions of dollars, they fail. Probably three. He tells me his fail rate to success rate is three hundred to one, and I agree <laughs> with him. I, I, I'm serious because what people what kills me now is social media and the shows and all that stuff. You you're getting a glimpse, you're getting a snapshot, a Polaroid of my life. But what you're not seeing is is me getting up at four o'clock and going to the gym and reading the books and you know trying to take care of the sick daughter and take care of the wife and. You know, trying to be a normal person, but yet still trying to keep the cape on for being a superman. It's tough. It's all about balance, man. And I still don't have it. I, I lecture people all the time. I've lectured people and then in the middle of my s- seminars go, that one was for you, right? And people think I'm, I'm a fucking idiot because I talk to myself. I, I get so absorbed in some of these things that I'm learning because everything that I talk about has happened to me. I'm not one of these guys that's giving you life lessons because I'm a I'm worth ten million dollars and blah. No, I am learning from all of the failures. And what I do is I try to pass on my failures and my lessons, my life lessons, so other people don't go down the same road as I did. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, Ray, and you it does a lot. And I think it's the great the great leaders, the great inspirational people that we have had the privilege of five seasons of talking to also have a huge degree of humility. And I think that comes through in this conversation. And the other thing that you mentioned you mentioned your mum and you said without going into it, you had a rough past with your dad. And yep. that was enough to scar any young boy for life. And you, you still to this day deal with that. Given the fact that it's Thanksgiving in America today and you have come from a Thanksgiving event, if your dad was alive today with all you know sitting here right, with all you've achieved and all you do, your mental strength, the psychology you bring to the table today, what would you say to your dad today? If there was one thing you could say to your dad at that table, what would you say? Wow. Damn, you're good, brother. Um, <laughs> no, no. I, I, you know, in all my years, you know, I think I, I mean, I'm getting ready to get upset. I, I, I think I would ask him, wow, um, you're going to hear a side of me that most people don't. I would ask him if he's proud of me. Um, you know, if he's been, if, you know, I don't know if we're talking, if he's been around the whole time or he was allowed to co- probably come up from hell or heaven, wherever he comes from. He was a, he was a savage. Um, but I would ask him if he's proud of me, if, um, you know, cause a lot of what I do, I know subconsciously I, I do because I know somewhere, like I said, up or down, I don't know what his past. Um, and I mean that with all due, with all due respect. Um, I think he's, I actually think he's looking up at me. Um, he's done a lot of terrible things in his day. 
Um, but I would, I would ask him one, are you proud of me? And two, you know, every father wants their children to be better and more than they were. I would hope that he would, um, damn, ask me or tell me that, you know, I was everything that he knew I would amount to. Um, you know, he, he left me at a very young age. I don't have a very loving mother. I don't have a relationship with my mother anymore. Um, I don't come from a loving, caring family. So that's another thing that I, I try to make sure that I changed in my life with my children. But damn, man, that pardon my what a fuck that is deep. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, and I mean that. I mean, in all my years, I don't think I've ever in the open made that comment. I think I've thought of it a few times, you know, when shit's got rough and, you know, I thought maybe I was going to go see, meet my maker, no matter what it was with saying, God, I hope, you know, my wife and daughter and son are proud of me, but I wonder what my old man's going to say. So damn, man, that's the million dollar question that, uh, I think I've been waiting to hear for a long time. Um, yeah. Are you proud of me? I just want to expand upon that and just bring in you. You talked about Jason Redmond, who was on our show, I don't know, four or six weeks ago, and it was such a privilege and honour to to meet him. And something I spoke to Jason about, he said when when he was ambushed and he woke up in hospital in a real bad way, he said the first thing he said, uh, are my men okay? Has my wife been told? Am I still pretty? And I said to him, at that time, if it's true, it was the priority was team, family, and then you. And he said in his younger SEAL days, that would have been the case, but he's not sure it would be the case today. Based on what you just said about your own family, you, your loving wife, how do you see that transition for you from the SEAL community, the priority of order, to today. I agree. Um, I agree with Jason. And, and it's as you get older, you know, they say you mature, whatever it is, but you, things change. Priorities change. Um, my, you know, it always used to be, you know, the boys, then the family. And I almost lost my wife because of that. Um, but now, without a shadow of a doubt, um, it would be my family is number one. That is it. My family comes before anything. Um, would I still step up to the plate and defend my country? Yes, I would. And I'd do it with, with honor and do it to the best of my ability. But over time, um, and it took, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to tell you something that me, me and Jason have had some pretty dark talks about this. Even when we got out of the teams for a while, the, the brotherhood was still first. And I'll tell you what, me and my wife, there was some, there was some rocky times from it, you know, I mean, you know, the boys are your brothers. I mean, it's, you know, you drink with them, you fight with them, you, you know, you bleed with them, you, you know, you, whatever you cry with them, whatever it is, you fight with them. But, um, as time goes on, you have to learn how to let that go. And, and it takes time and they understand it's, it's an unwritten unspoken law that we have. They just know, you know, like Jason's the same way. Me and Jason, it's funny. We had coffee yesterday and we we're talking about all his businesses and stuff. And I told him, I looked him right in the eyes. I said, listen here, sir, I'm going to tell you this right now. You need to focus on you. He focuses like me on everyone else. 
and, 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 you know, even, you know, it's like, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do this. It's like, no bullshit. All you should have time to do is the family stuff. You shouldn't have time to, you know, cause you know, or the priorities have changed. Yes. You know, I'm all about being successful and trying to make money for the family, but you know, I got to keep, you know, I got to keep the family happy. I have to be that anchor for them so that, you know, when shit gets hard, you know, I'm here for them just like I was for my brothers. But it probably took me about two or three years to make that transition. You know, I know I'm going on. I like to talk, but my order would be family and then it would be the brotherhood, um, you know, and then obviously the brotherhood is the same thing as, as my freedom. So, you know. But it has changed. If you would have asked me when I was a young scrapper, the teams were my family, even when I had a family. Every, everything else was secondary, not anymore. Your wife, Trish, pulled you up some time back and said, Ray, everyone is not against you. Where does that come from in a seal or in a man? Because I think a lot of us, we go through that disempowering thought in our mind that we think everything, everything and the world is against us. Where does that come from in someone who's a SEAL, who's invincible? I think it's just that type A personality that we have where, you know, like I said, the name of my company is Conquer. My mindset through my whole life is I will fucking conquer anything that I put my mind to. And if anybody gets in my way, I will steamroll over them, punch them in the face to get through them. I will do whatever it takes. The problem is with that is you, when, you, when you are just programmed for war, everybody's the enemy. And you have to learn how to just, you know, put on that emergency brake, man, and slow. You got to slow that machine down. Um, and my wife, I'll tell you what, there is not, a, there is no other woman in the world that would put up with my shit the way she does. <laughs> I mean it. I mean it. And put me in check. I mean, my wife will put me in check. It would be like a petty officer talking to an admiral, man. She will. Hey, who, what did you say? And that's what I need. You know, you. I needed that. I needed that other half to make me complete. You know, you, you running around for years, just looking for a fight, looking for a fight. Then you find somebody you, you fall in love with and all you want to do is what fight, you know, it, that's not about, she tells me all the time. I could bring up her right. The first thing she says to me, I am not the enemy. I am not, you know, I am not some, she said, she has a word. I don't want to use that here. Some person from overseas will leave it at that, but I am not the enemy. And it took me a while. I had to program myself that because, you know, she's trying to tell me, hey, babe, maybe you should be a little more cautious. I'm, I'm, part of me is like, who the hell do you think you're talking to? I'm blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, you're not. You're a man and you need to, and you need to slow your roll. So um, I think it's just it's just our DNA. You know, we just everybody is. I don't want to say I, the world was against me, but if you didn't agree with me. Um, you know, a lot of that, you know, we have, when I was a team guy, I, you know, it's funny when I was a SEAL, I was much more arrogant than I am now. Um, because you're just on that, you know, you're riding that wave of success, you know, that's a constant high, you know, you're invincible. You don't think you can, you can be harmed. I think that's where that can be dangerous. That's a very dangerous combination. Um, getting off the waves off also hard too, you know, I mean, just look at Jason. I mean, Jesus Christ, you know. Look at what he went through. You know, I mean, there's he went from being the, the pinnacle, you know, enlisted officer. He's battle battle worn to, you know, now he's going around speaking about events that happened. It's hard, man. It's I, 
I have a lot. I'll tell you what. It's I have friends that are NFL football players. They say it's from going from winning a Super Bowl to your days are outnumbered. You know, it's just a matter of time. It's. Um, I think I heard you speak with Rafa Conde uh, on his show, and something which I thought was not just a lesson for SEALs, but for all of us in the battle of life. You said to him that the real heroes in the SEAL community, the wives, the ones who are left back home to run the household, and your your wife Trish has done that for you guys. Tell me, tell me about the SEAL wife. Tell me about the person who's the true hero being left behind. It's, it's so complex, but literally, you know, I, me, Jason, you know, team guys – Literally, nothing can be done mentally unless we know that shit's taken care of at home. I mean, my wife, I, you know, I've done plenty of interview, interviews. She is the toughest gal I know. She literally makes me look like a mental idiot compared to what she has. She's stronger than me. I mean, not physically, but she can literally multitask. She literally should be a team guy and a warrior. And what it is is, you know, I can go off and do whatever I have to do, but she's she's the real warrior. She's taking care of my kids. She's paying the bills. Christ, she gets so mad at me. I have someone that pays to cut the lawn. She told me to get away. She has to cut the lawn. I don't like her doing this. She's out there washing the car in a little bikini top. I hate it. You know, I want to make sure that all she has to focus on is these few things. But God, man, she is – I mean seriously – I respect her. People ask me, who do you look up to? Who's your role model? It's my wife because I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could sit at home for months on end, not knowing where my other, my spouse is getting a call once in a blue moon, wondering if they're okay and juggling the, the battles of life. Like she does, you know, getting kids to school on time, getting them to here, getting the football practice, you, you name it. I mean, I couldn't do it. I, it's, I couldn't do it. And I've told her that. I mean, you know, if, if there was a six month course to be a SEAL wife and they let guys into it, they would have the same ratio that they did women trying to be SEALs. It ain't going to happen. I'm not mentally strong enough. I'm not organizationally um, fit enough to do it. I couldn't do it. So she is a savage man in everything she does. And a, just like Erica, Jason's wife. I mean, dude, they they put us in check, brother. I mean, she helps me with <laughs> she helps me with everything I do. I I don't know if you're married or not, but, but yeah, you know, yeah, we're both married. Yep. And I say this, you know, there's the, there's a couple sayings. I'm gonna put them out there real quick, ladies. I hope you're listening. They say behind every good man is is a is a great woman. Let me tell you what, my wife will tell you. She goes, I don't stand behind you. I stand beside you, motherfucker. I mean, seriously, that's how my wife talks. <laughs> and, I love, and I love it. And I tell people too. You might be the king of the jungle, but it's the ladies' jungle. I'm telling you what now, men, ladies, it is a woman's world out there, man. Uh, we are, you know, my wife, we have a very good balance. My wife runs 97.8% of the house. Seriously. I put my foot down for one or two things. That's it. But I know, I know my place. I know my place. Mate, we have... Uh- we have uh, five kids in this house, ranging from the age of fifteen down to three weeks, 
Um, and a bit like you, I'm sort of, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of locked away in a recording studio all day. And I come out and I tell you what, some of the shit that's gone down in this house, especially in school holidays when the older ones are home from school, I, uh, I reckon I probably would have lost my block about five times, but she's cool, calm and collected and looks at me like, well, what the fuck do you want? I'm serious. I don't know where my, I don't know where the money is. I make money. I don't know what she, I mean, she doesn't spend it. I just don't even know where it is. I, I can't, I don't even know how to write a fucking check. I do nothing. All I do is focus on this. I have the easy job. And the funny thing is, is my wife is a stay at home mom. And I, you know, and the one thing that I love about my wife is that we agree with is we instill in my daughter that you will be an independent, strong woman. My wife used to run a bank, but her passion is being a stay at home mom with the kids. I love it. And that was the one thing that I told her, listen, if we have another child, you're a stay at home mom. You love it. And she's like, okay, but you know, I don't want to hear in a year or two, you want to go to school. When I, I don't put my kid in daycare, I, I'm not saying anything bad about people that do. It just doesn't work for us. You know, my brother and his wife, they put their kid in daycare the whole day. I get it. But for us, we have to work the way we work. And, 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 it, and my family can't work unless my wife is doing what I need her to do. And that is running the nucleus of this house, man. Because I'm telling you right now, I don't even know where half the shit is. In my house, like no matter what, hey baby, where's this? Where's this? She knows where fucking everything is. I lose my wallet. She knows where it is. I I can't breathe without this woman. Yeah, let alone you know. And then people go, but you've conquered this, 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 this. Yeah, I have. But I've got I've got a great I've got a great pit crew man that helps me do it. You know, that's her. My old man says to me, uh, "What's he saying? I used to be the man of the house." He's 74, by the way. He says to me, I used to be the man of the house. Now I'm the man of the garage. <laughs> well, let me tell you what. I have, I'm have. i sitting in my room right now with all my plaques and trophies and shit like that that I have, all my love me stuff. It's not my room. It's got her stuff in the closet. I have a war room that has my stuff and all my all my seal memorabilia. She's taking that over. The, I get nothing. I got nothing in this house. <laughs> I've got... I've got a, a wife, a daughter, a female cat, and a female chihuahua. I'm surrounded by girls. <laughs> I am outnumbered. I don't even get a say in where we go to eat. Ray, it's interesting. You've talked about your pit crew and you've talked about being surrounded, yet something you've spoken of is that your loneliness. And I'm wondering with all the noise around you, the work you're doing now with social media noise, do you still find yourself sort of suffering from the loneliness? And if you do, how do you deal with your loneliness today? I think the, all, the, all the years of loneliness were I just wasn't happy or I didn't accept what happened to me as a child. I had a really bad childhood, man. Um, you know, I have seek some help via my wife um, because of the demons. And I'm learning how to accept some of the things that have happened to me. And I think the loneliness was actually just more of being, I don't know if this makes sense, I was lost. Like I was going through life and it was blurry um, because I didn't understand why I was beat. I didn't understand why, um, you know, my father was murdered. I didn't understand why, you know, all this, why my mother didn't really love me and, blah, blah, you know, and all this stuff. I didn't understand it. And the thing is, is with my personality, I just kept saying, fuck it, I'll push it aside and, you know, I was going through life and I was blowing up all the time and getting angry and, you know, lashing out at everybody. And finally, um, you know, Trish told me, you know, I always told her, I'm just lonely, I'm lonely, I'm lonely. And she told me 
babe, I don't think you're lonely. I think you're just, you're searching for something. And what that was, was answers. Um, you know, and again, I can't get answers <laughs> from my father who was murdered about, you know, why he beat the living fuck out of me all the time. Or, and I don't, I don't really have a relationship to ask my mother what I can do. But from speaking to professionals, the way that I can find the path is to make sure that I don't do that with my children and my family. So, you know, I mean, my daughter's 10 years old. I hold her hand everywhere I go and she loves mm-hmm. it. You know, I, no matter where I am, no matter where I am overseas, whatever it is I'm doing, I call my daughter every night on the phone before she goes to bed. I don't miss a night no matter where I am on the earth. And I call her every morning that she gets up and I see her on FaceTime. And every day I make it a point to tell her she's beautiful like her mother. And every night that she goes to bed, we have a little saying that we do. And I have not missed a day in, what, five years. No matter what I'm doing, no matter what events I'm at, if I'm overseas doing um, a gig, doing something, it doesn't matter because the only way that I'm going to lose that loneliness is to find myself. And the way to find myself is, is not, to, not to be like the people that cause this effect to me. So that's, you're getting Ray cared, the deep side of Ray, because man, I, I had, a, I, I've had a lot of emotional trauma that's dealt with me, not the seal shit and losing the brothers, but you know, um, I got, I got diagnosed with PTSD. This is a true story. I have more PTSD. I have more PTSD from being a child than I do in, the, in all the years of the SEAL teams. I, I sat down with a lady doctor and she was like, your father was murdered at 11. You, you were abused. I mean, you know, she asked me how I was abused. I told her some of the things that he did to me. You know, she was like, oh my God. She was like, I don't know how you didn't turn into a life of crime and do this and that. And that's where the mindset came in because I only had two options, man. It was either going to be jail or it was going to be the complete other path. And now, luckily I chose wisely. You know, but um, am I still lost? Yeah, but I'm fine in my way, if that makes sense. If we anchor this back to your little girl and she's standing about to do a backflip in gymnastics and she has a mantra that she says to you, what's the mantra? She says, I'm a winner. I'm a champion. I have literally, it's funny because I get mixed. um, People are biased with that. People think I'm brainwashing my daughter. I'm not brainwashing my daughter. I'm going to tell you this right now. I am programming my daughter for success. I'm programming. I've been programming my daughter since I've got videos of her when she's five. And I'll show them to you afterwards of her doing backflips on the, on the uh, trampoline. And I say, what are you, Nyla? I'm a winner and I'm a champion because I am teaching her that she is a strong, independent woman. Better yet, she's a fucking warrior because I don't – warriors come in all shapes and sizes. She's got the warrior spirit and a work ethic of, of 20 men. And it's noticed in school. She gets straight A's. Her gymnastics coach um, it used to teach uh, Gabby, whatever her name is, uh, the Olympian. He, he, she's got the same coach for, where he started at. And he said she has the same work ethic as, as what, Gabrielle Douglas? Is that her name? And that's, that is huge. Um, so, and she sees that. And now she believes in herself. I tell her, she's got another one that she says now too. Limits are for losers. And people are like, you're telling your daughter to say losers? <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. And it's funny. You know, my daughter, my wife's like, oh my God, you know, rated R, Ray Cash Care. No, 
<laughs> for losers. I told her, if you want to touch the sky, then climb, climb up there and touch him. And she's like, okay, daddy, because she believes in herself, you know? And she's had obstacles and hard things in gymnastics. Two years, we had to deal with the beams. But you know what she does for Christmas? This kid is so programmed. For Christmas, she doesn't ask for gifts. She asks for money so she can she can pay for privates. Do I use her money for privates between me and you? Fuck no, I don't. But the fact that she <laughs> she does that. She's like, Daddy, I made $500. I, she wears uniforms at school. Can I use $100 to buy some clothes here and then use the rest of my money for privates? Of course you can. Sure, I put the money in the bank account. But the fact is, is I'm teaching her the importance of of everything from money to just believing in yourself and you have to invest in yourself. I mean, I don't know how kids are in Australia, but I'll tell you what, I can walk in the mall. My daughter's holding her hand. I'll see kids that are around her age throwing tamper tantrums and all this shit. My kid doesn't do that. She doesn't do that because she knows she's going to have to deal with her mother or me. I don't, I don't spank my children. I was, I was abused. I don't spank him either as my wife. My, we can deal with my daughter. We have her so locked in. All we have to do is tell her that she's disappointing us, and that's all, that's all it takes. It crushes her because she's an overachiever. Do you think – Robo coaches a rugby team, a successful rugby team, uh, a bunch of kids here in Australia and has done now for all five seasons of our show. And we quite often make sure that we take an off-ramp in our conversation to talk about – kids and the influence we have over kids. Do you think, Ray, from your observations of your own family and those that you see around you that kids need a sense of discomfort to enable them to be able to deal with life's challenges? Growth is expansion. Pain is, ex- is pain is growth. I think that kids, just like adults, need to learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You have to get kids out of this God, this entitlement stage that society is is dealing with now. You want to piss me off? You know, these kids, I I want, I want, I deserve, I this, I this. Oh, my God. No, that's not what it's about. I can't stand it. Kids need to be pushed. You know, I just had a conversation with my brother. My daughter won state championship last year. She came in first in the state of Virginia and her division. They gave an award out for someone in 22nd place. What the fuck does that mean? 22nd out of 23 people. My daughter came in first. My point is, is we are, I mean, there's these participation things and, you know, kids get rewarded for just getting up and doing what they're supposed to be doing. It drives me nuts. You know, um, society has changed so much. It drives me crazy. When you were a kid and your mother wanted to punish you, what did she do? How old are you? How old are you, can I ask? Uh, I'm 57. Robert, how, how old are you? 50... I'm 49. 49. 49. I've talked you up. 49. My, there you go. When my mother wanted to punish me when I was a child, she would tell me, you've got to come in and sit in the house. Now, if you want to punish a kid, you take their phone away and you make them go outside. Yeah. What did I do wrong? <laughs> That's crazy, That's right? My point. That's my point. Society pisses me off because we are we are raising kids to be comfortable. And I don't agree with that. I think kids need, you know, kids need some form of discipline. I think it's great to get kids in some form of sport when they're young, some type of martial arts, some type of, I don't give a shit if you're doing community painting, do something where you have to focus on things. I I think putting a kid in front of a TV 
is bullshit. My daughter has amount of times that she can watch TV. She does her homework first. We are all about making her uncomfortable because what we're doing is, is we're setting her up for success later on down the line. And I'm real passionate. I love working with kids because I tell them, man, you know, you better straighten up because you have no clue what it's like. When I tell them, you know, the parents let you off the leash and you run into the world by yourself. All this stuff that we're talking about and, and that we talk about regularly on the show, my experience is kids are more open to sort of experimenting with that. Whereas when you talk about it to an adult, probably because they're more locked in their ways, they're probably not so open to, you know, trying getting up earlier in the morning or trying working doing this way or trying doing that. Do, do you find that with kids? I, I agree. I think because the kids are still young, they're still vibrant, they still haven't set limits or expectations, you know, you know, you know, as you get older, you develop patterns of life, POLs, um, you've been, you know, a lot of people, you know, you kick people, and they're going to start, I tell people when you punch somebody in the stomach, and they bend over, their ceiling to success gets lower and lower, and they don't want to stand back up, kids, you know, they're, they're, they're open to try anything, and that's why, I, if I could encourage parents now, it's, man, Get your kids out there, you know, and it's okay for your kids to fail. You know, I tell my daughter, it's okay to fail. You know, she gets upset as long as you gave it all you got. There's nothing wrong with that. You can't win them all, you know. It's it's about teaching life lessons to kids, you know, because, you know, you see these kids that never do anything except sit in front of a TV or play a video game and they go into the real world. They don't have a fucking clue what's going on because they've never been pushed, you know, but yet you take a kid – you know, you, you put them in some sports, you let them work, you know, in a, in a team environment, you know, you've already set them up for working in a team environment when they're, when they're older, you know, they're going to win, they're going to lose. You've already t- taught them that as long as you're giving your max effort, you might see some great results, but you may not. But you know what? And you, you teach these kids, if you fail something, don't fucking quit. You, know, you don't quit. You mentioned the word warrior before with your daughter, which is really interesting, Ray, because the word warrior I'm hearing a lot more today. And the reason I'm curious about it is because in two separate conversations this week, I was talking to guys who are, I don't know, 45, 48-year-old executives dealing with relationship issues or weight issues, whatever they were. And we talked about how they're approaching it and what they would do. And as in both conversations... I talked about, you know, things we were talking about. And I said, There's, it's kind of the warrior's mindset. And they said, that's really interesting. Tell me more about that. And I said, well, listen to Jay Redman on our program or Mark Devine, Jocko, Marcus Luttrell. These are the guys talking about it. Yet what's interesting is I think the fact that you can bring that mindset to your daughter or someone in Robbo's football team. And I guess the question I've got on that is because we have this fascination with the term and both these guys, older executives leaned in when I talked about it. How do you think someone finds that inner warrior within them and how do they foster that mindset? You know, I think the warrior mindset can be developed a few different ways. One, it can be programmed. You can, we all have it somewhere. I'm telling you, I don't know where it is deep, deep down. We all have that seed somewhere. You just got to figure out a way to fucking water it. You know, and me, mine got watered from just getting tired of getting put, putting up with shit. My daughter's got watered a different way. We nurtured her. 
and we, you know, we, but we're hard on it. We're firm. So each person, um, I think that's a very, that's a very, it's very delicate. You know, you have each person's different. There's no two people on the earth that are the same way. So the way, the way that my seed got watered may not work for you, you know, but I think again, being a warrior, one of the things that, that you have to be able to do is you have to be able to be open three dimensional. So, you know, when I look at a phone, I don't just see a phone in my, I see, I'm looking at all the angles and shapes. What I'm looking at when I see my daughter is, is how do I, with a child, how can I water that plant so she can understand or that seed so she can grow? That's how I look at people. When I'm sitting in the audience, I look at body language. I look at this. I see how she is responsive to things. Um, But, you know, there's two types of, there's two types of reinforcement, negative and positive. That's it. There's nothing else. My daughter works with positive reinforcement and we've watered the plant. Mine was watered on negative reinforcement. Mine was more self, mine was more self-inflicted and, and, and self-educated. Whereas, you know, obviously I want my daughter to have, you know, more than I did. So I'm trying to teach her. And let me tell you what, you know, I'm not always just go, Oh, come on, baby. I mean, I'll lay into her ass every now and then, you know, she knows, but she wants to succeed. She's got a taste for it, you know. So, warrior has a very warrior to me is someone who is physically, mentally, and and spiritually sound. It's not about muscles. It's about having the, the drive, the determination, and the willpower to succeed. And my 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 definition of success is helping others help themselves. Like I tell my daughter, once you've learned this, you need to learn how to pass it on to either her family or her friends when her time comes. Right now, she is a sponge and she's absorbing the knowledge. But once that sponge gets full, she's got to wring that knowledge out and she's got to spread that knowledge because it's selfish of her to keep it. It it would have been selfish for me to keep it. And I refuse to be selfish. You're a driven guy. You're a competitive guy. And you said one of the reasons you got into the SEALs was because you heard – that the success rate was small and you said, I got to get me some of that. Was there a moment that you can remember in BUDS or in the training or being in combat? Was there a moment where you look back and go, that was the moment that I proved to myself that I had more to offer than I thought I had to offer. I had more going on than I gave myself credit for. Was there a particular moment you can pinpoint? Uh, you know, I only had—I don't know if, if that's how I would word it, but there was an obstacle. I had an obstruction. I had a mental block um, with buds. There was something that I feared, and I think once I passed that evolution. I think more of the question with me was it was a it was a point it turned on the switch once I passed that that told me there is nothing I can't fucking do and then I, since that moment I've never looked back and for me that was the 50 meter underwater swim um, I was scared to death people black out um, I wasn't super good at holding my breath I was psyching myself out all the the mental fortitude and toughness and training that I'd learned up to that went fucking right out the window. I was a scared little girl, jumped in the water, failed it the first time. They're like, you failed again and you're done. And from that moment, that was, that was the, the, the siding 
factor of my life where I said, it's time to shit or get off the pot, brother. You need, <laughs> no, I, I know, I know, I know. But I mean, I remember standing on the edge of the wall and I literally said that it is time to shit or get off the pot. You know, you have, you have taught yourself, you've been beat, you've been bu- abused, you've been put down. And if you don't pass this, you know, you're letting, you're just showing everybody that they were right. And I refuse to do it. And as soon as I pat, I hit that wall, when I came back and I hit that wall, I knew that there was nothing in my life. If I set my mind to, I couldn't accomplish that literally, if I wouldn't have passed that swim, I don't know where I would be this to this day, that underwater breath hold. But I, the minute I did it, I talked to Jason about it. Cause you know, me and Jason went to buds together. Um, and we're in the same boat crew. I told him about that. He goes, you got this shit. And I was like, Roger that little man, you know, and, and I just jumped in and I did it and it sucked, but sometimes life sucks. But hitting that wall was the symbolism of success that, you know, you've got to go through pain. You've got to go through the suffering. You've got to go through the unknown. But once you do that and you accept it and you, you, you accept it into your life, you can still power through. And that to me was the moment in my life where I said, I am, I mean, I let the leashes, you know, the leashes off and I just started going wild. And my life has been successful ever since then. That was, that was the moment in my life where I will, I will take that to the deathbed. There's another quote for the uh, studio wall right next to hold my beer and watch this is uh, shit or get off the pot. Is yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, studio wall, it's gold. You're going up on the studio wall, mate. That's gold. Potty it, gold. It, it, it gold. is, but that's what it's about, man. I mean, you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, you got to take that. It, it was a leap. It was, And it wasn't a leap of faith. It was the leap of me. Does that make sense? I mean, everything I had done in my life, getting beat, getting, you know, everything. Everything to that moment right there on that wall was it was do or die. Like I said, maybe do or die is a little bit more political correct. But to me, I literally remember sitting in that pot and go, Ray, because I'll talk to myself. People think I'm fucking crazy. Time to shit or get off the pot. And I instructor looked at me and said, get in, do the flip, do it. I went down, came back. It was the most ungraceful thing in the world. But sometimes life's not about grace. It's about powering through. Brothers, I fucking did it. Do you know there's something as an observation Ray, and I wasn't going to go here, but just uh, this is a, purely an observation. I think you are an auditory learner because you have said twice during the show how you talk, you talk to yourself and the soundtrack. When you talked about learning, it wasn't about reading books or watching videos. It was about listening to audio books. And when you said people read 60 books a year, you are going to do that, but you're going to listen to them. And it's interesting that the the smallest percentage of learners in the world are true auditory learners like that, where we had a guy called David Heinemir Hansen who started Basecamp, a super successful software guy. And he did his driving instruction and he he narrated the whole the whole thing to his driving instructor like he was doing the test and he narrated the whole thing because for him he has to talk it out loud and it sounds like you're the same and i'm curious to think that we have positive soundtracks and we have negative soundtracks and obviously we've talked that you have that negative soundtrack being an auditory guy, how do you deal with that? Like, do you talk to yourself out loud? 
do you give yourself a conversation just inside your head? I mean, how does that work for you? Obviously, it depends on my surroundings because I don't be walking around, you know, <laughs> looking like um, I should be in a straight jacket. But um, no, but like, you know, when it's, you know, when, when you're doing something where either your life or someone else, you know, let's use it in battle. I mean, yeah, I'll be, you know, I'll be vocal if I can. But um, normally, you know, if I'm by myself, I will the audio the audio is loud enough so I can hear it externally. So if someone's around me, they'll hear me. But I mean, by, when I'm talking to myself, I'm in the zone, man. I mean, I, I don't look happy, um, even if it's something that I, I'm enjoying doing. You know, I mean, I, I'm putting everything into it. I mentally and physically psych myself up talking to myself. You know, if I'm on the gun range, come on. You know, if I make a mistake. I will literally come on. You can do better than this. I talk to myself. Um, sometimes, you know, I a lot. Of, sometimes I will say it internally, but when I'm really getting on my ass, because like I tell you, I'm my biggest and my worst um, enemy. I will lay into myself, and I don't know if that's through the years of being yelled at and abused too, but I. I like to hear myself, you know, and I'm not saying that like, you know, I like to hear how awesome I am. I like to hear myself motivating myself from the outside in, not, you know, there's when I'll do it, you know, but if I'm really like, you know, with that 50 meter underwater swim, I was talking to myself. I remember people were looking at me like, come on, Ray, you can do this. I I, I literally, all I'm focusing on is that voice and it's my voice telling me that I can do it. You know, I, 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 take out all the outside uh, obstructions of life. When I'm talking to myself like that, man, I'm fucking, I'm the bull when I see red and I'm going to get it. And I need that. That work, but that works for me. That may not work for you, you know, because, you know, like I said, the the frog mindset, forever reaching one's goals, we all have different goals. You know, I know everybody wants money in this. I always tell everybody the first goal that you have to have in, in frog mindset is it cannot be of monetary value. You know, I always tell people to prioritize it. I want to be rich. Nope, that's not number one. That was not the first goal or your objective and mission in life has to be something that doesn't involve with money. Me, it's to be a better better person, better husband, father, and friend. Then we'll talk about the money. Once I can accomplish that, and that's why I tell you three words that that define Ray Cash Care, work in progress – Cause I'm always fucking trying to better myself. And my wife always says, you know, how am I doing? She's like, well, you could do better. You know, I opening (laughs) true story. When I dated my wife, when I first started courting my wife, first thing I told her, you could do better, but you could do worse. And she goes, what in the fuck does that mean? I'm like, I'm trying to set you at like a C, you know, if we were in a grading system, hopefully I'll do something and impress you. But if not, then it's not as bad. So I'm all about, I, I can, I can justify pretty much anything in my mind, you know, like I come in and I'm not saying I had low self-esteem, but my wife is like 20 leagues out of above me. So I was just like, fuck, here we go. But, but that's how I attack life. You know, I analyzed, I uh, assessed it and just, you know, I executed, you know, literally sticking my foot in my mouth, saying something stupid. She laughed in my face, but my point is, is I made that decision right there. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I told you guys earlier, I live for the now, you know, if I want something, you know, I'm going to go for it. And I saw something that I wanted just, just like with the SEAL teams. I went for it and luckily it's worked for me. I'm actually knocking on wood. Well, people will want to take action from today, 
Ray, it's been a complete honour and privilege. I've got so much stuff yet that I haven't even asked you about, but I'm respectful of your time being Thanksgiving for you and your family. Thank you for being here. Thank you for everything you do, for sharing, for your authenticity, for your honesty. Where where do people find you and find out more about your world? Yeah, um, if you guys want to, um, I have a website, www.frogmindset.com. Go figure. Um, I do, you know, I have some apparel. I like, one of the passions I like doing is I like doing coaching. People, you know, book me and I do life, life coaching to them. Um, do that. You can hit me up on Instagram. I think one of my Ray, one of my cash care, Ray cash care. Christ, I'm looking at my Instagram and that horrible. I don't know my own Instagram account. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Ray cash care. And then I also have a Facebook page, uh, with a little blue check on it. Ray cash care, uh, former Navy SEAL. So, I always tell anybody, if you have any questions, concerns, gripes, bitches, DM me or send me a message. I return every single message that everybody sends to me unless it's something completely idiotic. I won't do it. I mean, if it's something stupid, I just delete it. But, if you know, I just had a guy right here um, ask me a question about he wants to be a SEAL and I'm going res- to respond to him. So please um, check me out. Love to, love to hear what you have to say. Mate, it's been – Terrific. Your good mate, Jason Redmond, put us in touch. He said, you have to get Ray on the show. And I said, that would be an honour. You were good to your word. You came on. Thanks, mate. It's just been fantastic. I had a blast, guys. I appreciate it. I hope I was, uh, I know Jason's very eloquent when he talks. I'm a little rawler, but I, hope it, <laughs> I, don't, know, I don't know what Australia is going to think about it. Hopefully they like it, but I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't tell something it's something unless I mean it, brother. I, I, I say what I feel and I, I feel what I say. You talk like me, mate. I call a spade a spade. I, I dig myself so many fucking holes, it's not funny. But, you know, it's Actually, just the way spade, I am. I call a spade, but I didn't know if I could say that with the Australia group. I, I'll call, I call it like it is, brother. Jason, I'm in case of war break. That's who I am. <laughs> the Mojo Radio Show. You know, the first time we had a Navy SEAL on, you were going, oh, we've got this Navy SEAL, blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking... Yeah, okay. Yeah, tough life, but, you know, really, Navy SEAL. And what we've had about, what, five or six on now, four or five, something like that? Yeah, something like that. And they never cease to amaze me. It's just the next level up, aren't they? I think we go to places with the guys that people haven't really, in a lot of interviews I've heard with them, we're going to places we haven't really heard from before with these guys about and we see them as as i said in the interview with ray we see them as superheroes and they are i mean what these guys do the service they provide to others self selflessly is amazing and Mm. and what they leave behind to go and be of service to their country and their teammates is but we we don't often hear the fact as ray got quite emotional then about well they've got their own world to deal with just like you and i yeah and uh, I think some of these shows are some of our most powerful for taking lessons out of, and we shouldn't just compare ourselves to them. We should sit down, look at what they've done, how they've done it, and say, how does that apply to our own world and our own struggles? Mm. You know, the best thing about his show is that you and I probably should go on that and take a couple of beers and go, right, here, hold this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ray, hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> hey, Ray, hold my chilli sauce and watch this. <laughs> yeah, do you know how hard do you reckon he'd laugh when we were face down in the mud about two seconds later? <laughs> how good would that be? Imagine, imagine having Ray and Jay Redmond. Imagine having those two guys and you've got 
a smoker with some brisket <laughs> and some rump and some ribs. It's been oh, smoking for about 12 hours. Don't start me. Esky full of beers and you've got some reaper. <laughs> Hot sauce. Reaper hot sauce, <laughs> sweet chili potato chips and stuff. And you imagine have mentioned the, the imagine the campfire conversations you could have with those two guys yeah. once you got them rolling. It'd just Absolutely. be I'd be in heaven. Yeah. Tell you what, it'd be some bloody good stories at least. The Mojo Radio Show. Pop quiz hot shot. All right, pop quiz hot shot. <laughs> okay. Question without notice, but let's do it. <laughs> Join the dots. Okay. Do I have to count to five? <laughs> That's a bit too far for me. True. Uh, movies? Yep. Walk of Fame? Yep. Frank? Yep. War? Seth Godin Tribes? <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. If you get this. Did you, just you open, get this. did you just open the dictionary and read a few words? If you get this, I'll down this whole I bottle of reaper. No idea. Don't even bother holding my beer. I'm on to the next sip already. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the song to take us out. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Oh, I know where you're going. When now. two tribes go to war. We're out. <laughs>
Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.